I've been preparing for the upcoming episode we're going to record where I've got an EMT, a paramedic, two nurses, an ER physician, and where we're going to talk about stories and kind of do this new format. I've been talking to people around me about the stories they have from emergency medicine, and one of them is Susie. She is an EMT. Um, She actually started as a housekeeper in the Level 1 Trauma Center and worked her way up, and she has been a fixture in the ER since as long as I can remember. For the last 15 years, I can remember her when I was an EMT, when I was a paramedic, and I've worked a lot more closely with her now that I'm in the ER as a PA. And she is someone that is always incredibly uplifting. She always has a smile on her face. She always has an encouraging attitude. They give her a lot of the new EMT students uh, to shadow because she has such a great attitude and everyone is just made better by being in the presence of Susie. And so I wanted to kind of pick her brain. And so before a shift, I made her walk around the park uh, immediately adjacent to the hospital with me and just kind of talk about stories that she has and advice that she has. And of course, as we get into the story, just remember that these are opinions only and don't reflect any organizations that myself or Susie work for. All patient identifiers have been excluded to protect patient privacy. In addition, we have changed certain details, so any relation to any actual patient is coincidental only. So I started off as a housekeeper. Back then we were called the essays. So we were transporting and kind of helping clean the beds. So back then they asked me if I could, you know, just want to do the license, and I was like, sure. So they paid for all my stuff and hired me right away. What did you get initially? Uh, just the EMT. EMT. In, in immediate. Okay. And uh, seven dollars and twenty-five cents. I started off with. Wow. <laughs> and so that was twenty-six years ago. Twenty-six years ago. Most of the time in my ER, I just started ten years ago in the OR. Susie told me a very impactful story. She had a patient uh, somewhat recently that speaks her native language and. In the hospital, it's hard. When we have a more obscure language or one that's not commonly spoken, like Spanish, it's really hard to communicate with our patients. We have to do it via an interpreter that's often on an iPad, and this is challenging. And the physicians knew this, and the physicians knew that Susie could be an absolute asset for them in communicating with this patient. So not only did Susie communicate with this patient in his native tongue, and made his hospitalization much, much easier. And he had, he had a very traumatic hospitalization. He was in a traumatic accident. He had to have a chest tube. And Susie was able to communicate with him and make his stay a lot easier. Let me have Susie tell you the story about Frank from Poland. So we had a patient that was a full trauma from a different hospital and was sent here uh, to our facility because we was a higher level. And one of the surgeons called me on my day off and asked me, can you translate? And I said, sure, let me see if I can try it. So I translated for him, and after that, I just visited him. He did have a traumatic event, and for him to have that event, he he was already, like, he was scared. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, just imagine you're in a different country, don't speak the language, and here you get put in a hospital, and nobody's here with you. And when it came time to discharge this patient from the hospital, this patient that had been through a significant trauma, he was surprised to find out that the United States does not have a immediate rehab program for him to go to following his hospitalization. It was, he was discharged and that was it. And Susie actually helped this guy, brought him food, brought him 
toiletries, all the necessities so that he could actually be okay here in the United States in a hotel while he was recovering from a major traumatic event. And after I visit him, he thought after his chest tube removal, because he was a critical patient, after he was moved off ICU, he was put on a med search floor. And I was still kind of like helping translate, but I was kind of more of his friends at that time because he didn't have nobody. All his yeah. family went back home. So after the accident, he wasn't able to fly home. So he, um, he thought after he got discharged, he was gonna um, be come to like a rehab center. So he, as I was in the bakery, I said, hey, what do you want from the bakery? I'm going there and then I'm gonna come visit you and then I gotta go to work. And he said, actually, I think they discharged me. I don't know what's happening. By the time I got to the hospital, they already discharged him. So now he had nowhere to go, no transportation, didn't know how he's gonna get to the airport, didn't know when he was able to fly home. So then we were like, okay, so what are we gonna do now? So by that time, his daughter booked him a hotel. Cause I called my husband, I said, hey, I don't know this guy, but can he stay with us? And my husband's like, sure, whatever. Wow. So we was gonna figure out how he's gonna stay with us. But his daughter made arrangements, so we were like, okay. So every day I drove to his hotel and brought him food or take, took him out because he didn't have nowhere to go, no English whatsoever. So when, um, when we kind of figured out in two weeks he was able to fly home, but that two weeks time frame, of course he had no transportation, but now he needed a clearance from a doctor saying he's able to fly home. So I contacted one of the surgeons and asked, can they write me a letter if I follow up with them? So we made an appointment. We had to get the chest x-ray to get him cleared. So they cleared him. I took him to the airport on Friday. And I told him if I never see him again, you know, like this is it. So I thought he was never gonna keep in contact with us. But he always called me his angel because he was like, oh, he did so much for me. And I'm like, okay, literally just brought you food and, you know, like right. just essentials. So Su Susie took her own time and her own resources to help take care of this guy who is basically in a foreign country where he doesn't speak the native language. Not that she expected anything reciprocated from what she did. Susie is a selfless person and going above and beyond and taking care of a patient outside of the hospital walls when they need help is absolutely something that this woman would do. And it's part of what makes her a very, very good medical provider. Susie actually had a surprise waiting for her when she traveled back to the country that she is from. At the bus stop where we, the bus dropped us off at, and he literally took care of us. Wow. He picked us up, had like a boat ride, a train ride, and a, um, a bus ride uh, ready for us wow. to go places. That's pretty cool. So that was pretty amazing for him. Because I figured, because he, he didn't owe us nothing. So I felt like, you know, if, if we never, never see him again, yeah. no big thing. Right. And Susie touches on a key point that we all need to keep in mind when treating patients. That would have happened to me. I wish somebody would have taken care of me and my, you know. Oh, yeah. I went on to ask Susie about advice she has for new EMTs and new providers in the ER. I always tell them, so when they first come in and some of them have some experience, seen some stuff. Feel like they, they know a little bit, yeah. but then they get humbled with the stuff that we really see every night. Sure. 
So then I just tell them, you know, as long as they do the best that they know how and let them be trained by somebody. Because some of them feel like they don't want to have that because they already know it. Yeah. So that makes it harder. But if they willing to be trained, it's, it's not, it's, the job is not hard. I feel like once, because when I, when I see a new person, I always introduce myself, make sure they feel comfortable because they have to have somebody to go to. And I feel like, you know, when as much experience that I have, I can go to people and make them feel welcome. Just because when you're in a place that's hectic as we work at, you want to make people feel comfortable and you want to have people know that you're strong-minded, but also a person that they actually can go to and ask questions, whatever they need. Because it's like, sometimes it's hard when they don't know who can they ask because of course, the doctor's looking at them, thinking they know everything, but they don't. Yeah. I try not to take nothing home. It's not as easy as it seems. But you try. I try to do one day at a time, one patient at a time. That's how I do it. It's like you cannot change the world, but you can change one patient at a time. To me, it's like what I do matters to me. So it's like I, I take it very personal. So I take everything that I do and make sure it's, it gets to the top notch, whatever I do. I love what I do, so I couldn't, I couldn't just quit. I tried for many years to quit. I got my bachelor in teaching and I wanted to quit. I did it for a couple of years, but they always called me back to come do what I do. The best thing I can tell them, you know, we deal with it. Talk to somebody if you need to talk to somebody because now the resources is out there. Back then there wasn't, but now the resources out there to talk to somebody but keep coming back because it's like every day you will make a difference for somebody. And it might not be that night, you know, it might not be that day, but tomorrow is definitely a different day. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Susie. I thought she had great advice and a great story to share with everybody. If you got any value out of this episode, if it encouraged you or at least helped you not feel quite so alone with your own struggles in emergency medicine, go over to practicalems.com. Um, join our email list for more encouraging and valuable information and so you don't miss a single episode. And of course, it means a ton if you can go and subscribe on your favorite podcast player and leave a five-star review to allow me to keep doing this. I don't make any money from this and I actually spend a fair amount of money each month to produce it. So it means a lot when you can help and participate. Thanks guys and we'll see you next time.